0: Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Lisa Moskatova of Loud Bids. It was certainly nice to see everyone at the shows in LA and Vegas. Expos in L.A. and the Las Vegas shows, AVN and Internext, were a big success. It should be an exciting year for us once again here at Adult Site Broker. Speaking of events, we've added an events section to our website. Now you can get information on B2B shows on our site, as well as special discounts reserved for our clients. Go to AdultSiteBroker.com for more details. Would you like an easy way to make a lot of money? Send sellers or buyers to us at Adult Side Broker through our affiliate program, ASB Cash. When you refer business to us, you'll receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can make $100,000 or more on one sale for some of our listings. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to introduce a successful and growing OnlyFans agency. They've been in business less than a year and a half, but they've experienced tremendous growth. The company was founded by two brothers. In the last year, they've done over $5 million in gross profit. They have over 130 full-time Filipino employees with affordable salaries. The strategy of the company is to acquire large volumes of creators, put them through their automated onboarding process, and then they decide which creators are worth keeping. Out of over 2,000 in the last year, they pared down to the 300-plus creators they have now. They focus on 30 to 50 high-revenue-producing creators. The top one is generating $120,000 in monthly revenue. There are many high-potential creators who currently do between $5,000 to $75,000 a month. These creators can be scaled through detailed focus and know-how, not to mention additional marketing. The founders have created scalable systems and automations through sustainable processes. The whole company is very well-structured. The founders currently only work about an hour a day due to their systems there's a great potential to further develop the revenue from each creator, thus multiplying the revenue and profits of the company. The main marketing is TikTok with some Instagram sprinkled in, which leaves amazing opportunities using other media and buying ads. Only $13.5 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Lisa Moskatova of Loud Bids and Flirt Revenue. Lisa, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk.
1: Hey, Bruce. How are you?
0: I'm better now that I'm talking to my friend. Nice talking to you, Lisa. (laughs) Nice talking to you. Lisa started her career in the dating industry in 2003 by working for the first ever white label dating platform, World Dating Partners. She then co-founded Dating Factory, a very successful white-label dating platform in 2008, which was sold in 2016. Since then, Lisa and her team have built another white-label dating platform, Flirt Revenue, this time focusing on email marketing and API integrations with all the major advertisers in the industry. Together with their partners, they've built Loudbits, the advanced ad exchange for top-quality dating traffic. LoudBids works with mostly email, members area, and push traffic worldwide. Recently, the company ventured into the B2B space, providing ad exchange technology to the other players on the market who want to build their own ad networks. Lisa oversees product and development for all the projects, as well as overall company operations. Flirt Revenue is a white label and affiliate dating platform with a strong focus on user monetization and email marketing. Loudbids is an innovative ad exchange built for dating traffic that offers RTB, API integrations, and also a B2B solution for those willing to run their own ad networks. So how was your commercial?
1: Wow. (laughs) That's impressive, actually. You know, I was
0: listening. I was like, wow, did we do all that? (laughs) That's us, huh? Wow. Okay. I know I get that a lot from people They go, oh, wow, that sounds pretty good. I guess we're doing Okay. So, Lisa, besides what I just said, tell us about yourself and your background. Maybe you can start a little earlier than your professional career.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. I am from Donetsk, uh, Ukraine, and I've lived there for quite some time. I was born there, and I went to school there, and university, and my education is absolutely unrelated to what I do now.
0: Uh, <laughs> me because <too>. at
1: school, <laughs> yeah, 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 I think I think you get that a lot from people in our industry. <laughs> uh, because at school, I had a very bad math teacher, and <laughs> when I graduated my, uh, the school, and I was in physics mathematics class, you know, my parents are mathematicians, developers, and they always wanted me to. And I graduated, and I said like, no, I go anywhere, but I don't want mathematics.
0: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Good so I went
1: to university, yeah, and it was international relations and foreign policy. So I'm a diplomat.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> yeah, and my aspiration was to actually be a teacher at university. I always wanted to pursue a scientific career, to do my PhD, and, you know, like teach, go to conferences, research things. Um, but. But, but, (laughs) life (laughs) never happens as we plan.
0: (laughs) Never. Nope. I didn't study uh, brokering adult sites at San Francisco State University. And I actually did study radio communications. And I was in radio for over 20 years. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes you do what you study for. Well, I was only on air for a couple of years. And the rest of the time was selling advertising. But it was radio. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know that and you live somewhere else now because of the war, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: but Sorry to I bring have it moved.
1: Up. Uh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. It's life. <laughs> yeah. We had to, we had to leave in 2014 when things started in Donetsk and we left to Kiev, lived there for a year, but uh, Dennis, my husband. He has Bulgarian roots. So he got the passport and we have actually moved the company, the office, everything, to Sofia, Bulgaria, that's where we are now. I didn't
0: know he was from Bulgaria.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he, he is not from, but his dad is half Bulgarian, half Greek,
0: oh, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. That's yeah, the good look. Bulgarian. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. That's where it comes from.
0: <laughs> Very nice. You did good, girl. You did good. Yeah, he's a wonderful man. So, how and when did you start in the industry?
1: I was still at university, and when you are studying, of course, you need some extra money. And I started looking for different jobs, and I did whatever. I was translating some manuals for toys in the shop where my mom worked. Then I was doing some stuff. That's actually when I uh, studied Photoshop. I was doing some stuff for the for the other shop, and then the friend of my mom called and said, "Lisa, do you speak English?" And it's like, "Yeah." Uh, like, okay, I have a job. for you. Wow, super. And it's uh, remote. Uh, you can do it wherever you want. And whenever you want. And I was like, wow, that sounds interesting. And so I went. And would you guess what did I do?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have been an animator on a dating site. Ah. So that's, uh, that's how I started. And that was one of the uh, first dating sites in the UK. It was called Singles Crowd. And this friend of my mom, she was married to the founder. And uh, I I was doing animation for some time. Then I started doing customer support. And then um, Robert came to Donetsk uh, because uh, they already started doing some development office there. Um, hiring developers because it was obviously much cheaper than in the UK. So we had some designers, we had some coders there, and uh, basically I was helping him with everything because I was the only person speaking decent English <laughs> when he was there. So once like, I basically got a call, um, it was end of my fourth year at university, I was finishing my b- bachelor. Um, I was like, do you want to come over to the UK and work as an account manager? I was like, what? what is an account manager? <laughs> and it was 2002, <laughs> Imagine 2003. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. I was like, okay, if you tell me what it is, I'll think about it. So that's basically how I started working with affiliates, affiliate marketing. I learned SEO, coding, and I moved to the UK. So I was finishing my university. I was doing my master's, but I was doing it remotely. I was already working for World Dating Partners, which was the first ever white label platform in the dating
0: industry. Know those guys well, know them very well, as I know you do. So you really came up through the ranks in dating.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did it all.
0: (laughs) You know, that's the best way, because if you come up through the ranks, you know everybody's job, you did all the jobs, and you pretty much know what your team's doing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: You have to. And that set you up really well to start your own company. Why don't you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, we're all dating partners. Uh, we were doing quite well, and we were focused a lot on uh, UK, but we also worked in different other languages. But then um, I moved back to Ukraine uh, because I was getting married, and I didn't want to basically stay in UK and then we spoke with Tanya, who was that mom's friend who called me initially, and you all know her. And we spoke about it, and we thought, okay, why don't we start our own white label platform? Back then, I was already doing all the. I was basically the chief development officer for dating partners, and I called the developers, and um, I also hijacked some developers from my dad. <laughs> he did allow me. So we thought it would be a good idea to start our own uh, white label platform a bit more modern, with the good dating product on the background with the great features for affiliates. And that's how we started and we didn't have any investment. So it was all done on our own money. And it was not a lot <laughs> to be honest.
0: No, you guys really started on the grassroots level and did extremely well.
1: Absolutely. Like our first development server was bought on the money we got for our wedding.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: jeez. Yeah. Yeah, we also involved one of the partners. He was from Switzerland, George. And he also, he did a lot of Google AdWords back then. So he was uh, our first affiliate and he wanted to become an investor as well. So we sold him part of the company. And because we, at the time, we were very successful because there was already white label dating back then, but they always were doing just English speaking. They have never done any other languages. And we, from the start, we've done German, French, Italian, Spanish, uh, and Nordic languages. So we were pretty much covering most of the world. So it did take off quite well.
0: Yes, indeed. It sure did. It's how I met you when you were doing that. And uh, we have been friends for a long time. How were the dating and adult industries different back then?
1: Oh, yeah. When when I started, it was very different. It was, uh, first of all, I think the most important thing is that you didn't have uh, so many restrictions. Like I was running for World Dating Partners, for example, I was running the first ever um, Google AdWords campaigns. And I could run them without even thinking what kind of keywords I'm using, what kind of ads I'm doing, and like everything went through, you know, and
0: That's changed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And our eyes were just through the roof. I think that's the main thing that was different. Um, Of course, technologically, we had different technologies, we had different front ends, but okay, that's that's not that significant. I think the biggest part of it is um, the actual attitude to adult uh, that's changed a lot and made things uh, much more complicated lately.
0: Yeah, and it's so weird because you would think, you would hope that as time goes on, people would be a little easier on our industry. And it's been anything but that.
1: Exactly. All those new roles from Visa Mastercard all the time, from Facebook, from Google.
0: Facebook? Who's that? I forgot. They booted <laughs> me a while ago, so I forgot who they were.
1: Yeah, they do that.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Why did you choose white label dating and what did you like about it?
1: Uh, myself, I like working with the um, product, with the development part of it, and especially B2B. I love um, not just working with the end consumer, but actually providing the technology and tools for people who actually want to run their own sites. Um, So that for me is much more exciting than just working with the end consumer, because I think it's uh, much more intellectual and uh, you, you get a lot of feedback, you talk to people all the time. So and Dating Factory, we were very much, of course, we were focused on the product as well, because if it didn't convert, then nobody would need a dating site like that. But we also, yeah, we also, we focused a lot on what affiliates could do, how easy it was for them to set up their own websites, optimize them, run them, customize landing pages. So, yeah, and uh, not many people were actually interested in that. I remember that back then, it was a trend that many big companies were starting to have a like white label division, but it never took off because I think the two true white label platforms were just white label dating and us. Even Cupid, um, easy date back then, they did have their own white label platform, but then they stopped it because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of uh, hustle to deal with the um, site owners affiliates
0: so yeah it's a hassle to deal with people
1: yeah i (laughs) I agree (laughs) i agree but i love it to be honest
0: (laughs) oh i do too but uh, some people i was just telling my wife that about some of the people that i deal with and it's uh, just shake my heads including some that i've given a lot of business to and sometimes i just wonder sometimes i just wonder what happened after you sold dating factory i believe you had a period of time that you had a non-compete is that right
1: oh yeah of course of course we have sold the company in 2016 to traffic mansion and the group is called um, agile wings and of course we had to in, in our agreement we had to work there for one year to make sure that all the transition goes smoothly and explain things and also was helping Sven a lot uh, with their stuff, with the mailing, remarketing. So, yeah, it, it was great. And, you no, know, I would have stayed. Yeah, because, they're very uh, cool. Yeah, they're, they're amazing people. And we, we have very good relationships t- till now. But I'm a very bad employee. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. You've almost worked for, for yourself your whole life.
1: Exactly. So I could not imagine that uh, as much as I admire the guys and uh, as much as they they are professionals and they love what they do. Yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. And
0: yeah, I can't either. I'm not, either i am i am a bad employee too. I couldn't work for anybody. It's hard enough to uh, deal with clients, but the nice thing about having clients is if you don't like the client, you can fire them. You can't fire your boss.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So Basically, and at the time, I also got pregnant with our second child. So I remember. I, yeah, I, I just have, I enjoyed, I, I went to a couple of shows just to, you know, look at people, and I enjoyed a year off after that, just to concentrate on our little Vera and bringing her up, because I didn't have the chance with the first one. I've been to maternity hospital for three days and that was it that was my that was my maternity leave for the first one
0: that's <laughs> so, just yeah. crazy
1: yeah so the second one yeah
0: i stayed had time. a little more time to be a mom yeah yeah exactly that's nice and i know now even though you've got your own company you certainly make more time for that yeah definitely definitely yeah, i that's now
1: realize that we we need to the, Absolutely. the older i grow
0: <laughs> The kids need their moms. They definitely do. That's why, and dads, that's why I don't have kids. I have dogs.
1: But they also do need (laughs) their dads. Oh, they do,
0: and I'm there for them. I got my (laughs) one big boy in here now, as a matter of fact, walking around because he's scared of the thunders. I was telling you before we started this, how is Flirt Revenue different from what you did before?
1: Yeah, initially I was thinking about white labeling as well but to be honest the market changed quite a lot so there was already date yard and also i thought that just cloning white label companies it just doesn't make sense and of course we have our own products that we um, buy traffic for but we also concentrated a lot on remarketing and uh, once before founding and making I was at one talk by Michael Roll from Traffic Partner. And he was saying that they show the ads to the users immediately after they join. And I was like, really? And doesn't it influence your um, conversion rates and user LTV? Uh, And he said, like, no. And yeah, and I remembered that and thought, okay, so maybe we could do and experiment with something like that. So we have started showing ads to the users, so we were we concentrating a lot on actually remarketing the users from the moment we were acquiring the user. And because we were doing email all the time, uh, Dating Factory we were doing a lot of email for our own products, but still. And I saw many people starting doing that, so I thought, okay, let's try to email them and. Remarket market them to other products. And it started working very well. And it didn't influence our numbers, our internal numbers for the um, internal products. So it seemed to like a good idea. And then I realized that it's better to work on the API because when you email, you already have all the information about the user. You already ask them about their sex, uh, about their date of birth, but uh, you know where they're coming from, you have IP address, zip code, email. So why would you ask somebody to register? So we started um, integrating with the um, other dating advertisers on API. And the um, EPC actually skyrocketed. So, nice. yeah, that's that's the difference in, in dating factory. We have never um, done that. And I sometimes even regret now, <laughs> but <laughs> we haven't oh, done well. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different it's times. interesting when they whenever they <laughs> ask
0: sex with me, I just answer yes. I don't know. I, I thought that was a yes or no question. You mentioned Michael Rule. He <laughs> yeah. is frigging brilliant.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is
0: one guy that I learned something just about every time I talk to him. So yeah, one of my favorite people and somebody that I definitely get a lot from. Oh, and next time you talk to him, you can tell him you were interviewed for the podcast and I don't bite. OK, so, <laughs> sure. anyway, I've been trying to get him on for years. He's like, "Nah, man, I don't do those things. And it's like, I think he's being shy, but yeah, I think we can, <laughs> I think we can get him out of his shell. Definitely. <laughs> Tell us more about Loudbit. How did the idea come about?
1: Yeah, basically, uh, we have been uh, doing a lot of marketing, And of course, you have found so many dating advertisers, so Basically, we were getting and sometimes uh, when people click on the emails, I have one person who clicked once 219 times in one day. So, yeah, and people, you get a lot of repeated clicks because people go back to their mailbox, click again.
0: That would be a repeat click for sure. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So we realized that we have started running out of advertisers. And back then, at some, I think it was Prague, before COVID, I started talking to Exoclick, and they said, why don't you sell those clicks to us? And I said, okay. And we actually started earning quite a lot of money with that. And uh, But at the same time, I saw that the EPC actually fluctuated a lot, and it started going down at some point, uh, quite significantly. I don't know what was the reason, maybe COVID, maybe... Some advertisers pulling out, but yeah, things happen. So we thought, and we started working with William. You know William, he's our partner now. So we have started working with him on some email stuff. And then we thought, why don't we try to sell our traffic ourselves? Not only on, on performance to advertisers, but on CPC to other people. And we had member area and email. So that's why we have quickly first we have for a couple of months we have used um, somebody else's software but we realized that we have a development team and we could never get from somebody else's software exactly what we wanted for our needs because it's pretty niche and email clicks to be honest and anything that comes with email passing all the standard platforms they're not geared towards that and they don't don't really know how to do it so we have basically um, developed it ourselves. It took us to the like, beta version about, I think, more than half a year. And then three more months till we finally launched our alpha and started allowing advertisers in. But that's, that's how we started doing that. And then um, we realized that there are other people who want to also sell their traffic. And basically, we have started concentrating, of course, only on dating industry and on quality traffic. So in LoudBits right now, we not only have our own traffic, email and member area and push, we also resell quite a lot of quality email, uh, member area and push traffic. And we concentrate really on quality traffic because we don't want to sell millions of pops, you know, that's not what we do.
0: Exactly. God, there's so much crap traffic out there. It's just unbelievable. And it's so hard for the companies to tell which is which. So to see somebody stressing quality is, that's very, very good because I wonder sometimes how many of the companies, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I wonder sometimes how many of the companies really care about the quality as opposed to just having traffic and selling it. So and I'm probably about the only person who goes to these shows that we go to who isn't either buying or selling traffic. It's kind of interesting.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> everybody is like traffic, traffic, traffic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get so many messages from people. I've actually in Speed Networking gotten up and saying I'm not buying or selling traffic, and I get a oh you know so (laughs)
1: but i'm buying and selling sites (laughs) yeah
0: exactly exactly oh it's so funny so many people see adult site broker they go oh you buy traffic no i don't sorry you sell traffic no i don't what's so special about loud bids and how is it different from other ad networks or did you pretty much just explain that
1: No, I think um, what's also important is that we don't only work uh, with direct deals or also RTB, because that's pretty much what everyone does. But we also are very adjusted to the dating industry. So our buyers can also buy traffic via API. And that's very different. And um, I don't know any other networks, to be honest, who do that. Uh, Maybe there are some, but I just don't know. So basically it's uh, not just RTB, but also on API when um, we integrate the buyer's API and they can reject the leads already based on their own criteria. And we also have a lot of information about the user. Because in our own traffic, we have user profile, as I said before, and also many other sources that we resell also have that information. It's already not only like CPC, but a CPL exchange it's on CPC. It's still a concept that is very new. And for some people, it's difficult to understand. So every time we need to explain
0: you know, how it's it works. It's all difficult to understand <laughs> for me, but you're explaining it well.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I even did a talk in Prague this time to explain the difference because not many people really um, understand that. I didn't know. I would have been there. Oh, <laughs> I should have told <laughs> you, yeah. So that's what separates us a lot from other networks. Um, and of course, we do programmatic like standard ITB, but that's what everyone is trying to do right now, even though in adult industry, people still prefer their deals, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs>
0: So what's the difference between those methods of working with traffic in a nutshell?
1: So basically, when you're buying an RTB, direct is direct. is you agree to sell this X number of clicks for Y price and for that time period, that's easy. On RTB, that's an auction, and the publisher sends requests with the um, user information, with the information about this click, and then the advertiser also delivers the bid and if the bid is uh, satisfying for the publisher, the deal happens. So we are at exchange in this case. An API uh, goes one step further. So there is more information about the user. So instead of just getting a click, the advertiser is getting the full user profile that they can already register in their website. And they only need to make sure that the user clicks the terms and conditions checkboxes and clicks the button, yes, please register. And that's it. So, the conversion rate goes up significantly. And, but of course, this traffic is a bit more expensive, but still, it makes a lot of
0: sense. Get what you pay for, right?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Or well, not always in traffic. You don't always get what you pay for. I've always had you to, when I've had a question about dating or about traffic, I've always had you to answer it because some of these areas, I'm telling you, they are difficult to understand for the layman. They most certainly are. What do you think is the future of advertising technology?
1: I think we're all moving towards the, um, a lot of automation, and I'll combine that one with AI. So I think we should be using AI much more. And because still right now, I see even when people work with the um, OpenRTB protocols on the API, they still have some manual settings on their side. So they still have media buyers who go and look, adjust, optimize. I think the future is that that's done without us. And we only look at the results and margins, you know, and if it's good enough and only do the part where it involves human interaction and some deal setting. So I think in the future, it should be all automated, but it's, especially in adult industry, it's still a long way to go.
0: That's the adult industry. (laughs) Yeah,
1: those 200 clicks for 20 cents a click for two days, you know, know—it's so much manual work. Um, Yeah, we should get rid of that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like when I was in radio advertising and somebody wanted to buy five commercials a week. I told them to save their money and take their wife to Lake Tahoe. Anyway, how is AI changing your business right now?
1: I think from uh, the perspective of dating business, from Fruit Revenue, we are doing a lot more with AI in terms of writing those icebreakers and instigating the initial interaction on the websites, because it was very manual before. Right now, we are optimizing a lot of those things using AI, plus for media buying, we also trying to use it more now to segment the traffic to determine the better performing segments so we spend less uh, human hours on that it's a nice thing yeah yeah absolutely i think um, many people are scared of ai at this point i'm not i think it's a very positive change
0: hey i'm just afraid it's going to launch a nuclear war that's my only concern I hope we don't get there, but. (laughs) Are there going to be sex robots that will kill us? Otherwise, I'm not too terribly concerned, you know. And, you know, it makes so much sense, though, in your business that AI would do the things that people did before because AI is machine learning. If you call it machine learning, maybe the name AI won't quite scare them as much, but Machine learning, once it learns, it's going to do better than a human being.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, we should be automating as much as we can. And I think everybody should be.
0: Definitely. Give us a piece of advice for anybody just starting in the dating industry now.
1: I think what's important uh, in the dating industry um, is to be unique, to have your own uh, product Because what we see is that the um, traffic sources, they are mostly the same, especially in adult dating. And you also have a finite number of um, advertisers in this space. So you do need to differentiate yourself. Of course, there still are many successful media buyers who don't run their own products. But as, as I see, everybody is looking for white labels, for something unique to convert the traffic better. And always store the user data, because that's very um, valuable information. Of course, we have a lot of restrictions like GDPR and everything, but it's all doable. It's all doable. All those things, um, all the encryption, safety measures, procedures, you can write it at once with the lawyer, and it's fine. But uh, it gives you so many more opportunities in terms of increasing your ROI.
0: You got to save your data. As long as you're not breaking the law, you've got to save your data. Yeah, of course. Of course,
1: but you don't need to. You can save it pretty legally and you just need to be very careful how you store it, what you store and how you pass it to other people. When we work with email traffic, it's always encrypted and coded within GDPR standards and data privacy standards.
0: You know what amazes me sometimes because I use, as you know, I use email very heavily because you're on my list. Email is just so dismissed by people these days because you and I both know people who don't respond to emails in our industry. They don't even look at email. All they do all day is chat. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for chat because there is. But the thing is about chat, it's just so intrusive. It's so incredibly intrusive and i think there's definitely a place to reach people via email and via newsletters and i do hope that email as a communication source will come back because i think it's so much better than chat
1: yeah i love it i love it because you first of all you can reply whenever you have time and chat sometimes of course we do a lot of skype and telegram for work and sometimes i just have to switch it all off to concentrate to do some productive work and you know I taught myself team. I just said, you know, we have a stand-up 10.30 every morning. You can ask me whatever you want. You have half an hour. I'll tell you wherever we discuss all the technical issues, anything you need from me, then don't bother me. I need to be productive
0: as well. Big time. And there are so many things that are keeping us from being productive. And a lot of those are technology-based. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: I switch off my social networks, for example, for a day. They are blocked.
0: Bingo. My last interview guest, she talked about how when she was writing her book, she went off of Facebook. And I'm like, well, Facebook went off of me. So that's a good thing. And I can't tell you how more productive I've been since I stopped using Facebook. It's amazing. So I think that's made me a lot more money than that damn platform ever could. So that's a good thing. What do you like to do when you're not working?
1: Uh, first of all, I'm a big fan of sports. I train every day, and anytime I have some free time, I go and play some basketball. Go with the kids somewhere. Yeah, climb. We have a nice uh, wall top here, which is like a huge climbing area. So we love doing that. Um, unfortunately, many Bulgarians and I admire this nation for that. They do a lot of hiking. But unfortunately, we're not doing it as much as I want to, but we need to get there. (laughs) And I also, I recently started doing the nutrition courses, because for me, it's interesting to understand how our human body works. So I'm learning some biochemistry and why things happen and how to live a healthier life, basically.
0: By the way, next time you see me, I'm going to be a lot slimmer. I started uh, Interval Fasting, so you'll be surprised. Do you have any new projects in the pipeline?
1: We have started, I think, about a year, providing our platform as a B2B solution to some players in our industry. So we are looking now maybe to expand on that. We're also... Working on some on one new project within the dating field, but that's I cannot share yet.
0: (laughs) If you tell me, you have to kill me and all my listeners, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly, but (laughs) 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 so that one within within dating and also on the crossroads of dating and some other verticals. And outside dating, I was thinking to go at some point into this healthcare, fitter, life projects I'm still thinking what it may be
0: I gotta tell you you and your husband are are about the fittest couple I think I've met in terms of good looking fit just always look good
1: thank you but yeah I really want uh, my personal aspiration is to uh, get the planet fitter and also to get rid of obesity especially in kids when I see kids with extra weight I'm just so sad and I really want to teach people how to to live a happy life without all those junk foods, and uh, maybe with a little bit of them, but not as what people do right now. But that's that's kind of a personal aspiration.
0: <laughs> they didn't used to have fat people in Thailand anymore, except for me, of course. But <laughs> he, all of <laughs> thank you. All of a sudden, you're kind too. All of a sudden, when I came home, I certainly was. Here in Thailand, they have a real obesity problem. And Thais were never overweight. You never saw overweight Thais. Now you see a lot of them because they've gotten KFC. They've gotten Burger King. They've gotten McDonald's. They've they've gotten Krispy Kreme donuts. American junk food has made its way all over the world to kill us all. It's sad. It's really sad. And it's nice to hear that you're doing something about childhood obesity, because well, obviously you've got kids. So that's something that you know, is near and dear to your heart. So it, it's wonderful. Well, hey, Lisa, always one of my favorite people. And I mean that from my heart. I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon, maybe when you have your new announcements.
1: Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me, Bruce. Always a pleasure
0: my pleasure. My broker tip today is part 7 of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week we talked about trademarking your site and ways to make it unique. Next, when you decide to sell your website, make sure you have the following information available for potential buyers. Detailed information about your company, your website, and any other aspect of your operation the potential buyers may want to find out about. This should include For a pay site, a detailed inventory of your content, number of images and number of videos, how much of those are exclusive and how much are non-exclusive. Financial information for at least the last three years if your company is that old. This should include sales reports, profit and loss statements, and billing reports. Get all the information organized in a legible format that a good broker can use to sell your property. If you decide to sell it yourself, Organize a list of potential buyers and start the process of contacting them. Be realistic about what your company is worth. In today's market, the kiss of death is overpricing your property. Is there anything that a potential buyer needs to know? Such as, are you being sued? Do you have any substantial debts? Don't let these things be a surprise to the potential buyer. They'll either find out before the sale and not buy, or they're going to find out after the sale and you'll have another lawsuit on your hands. Disclose everything. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be speaking with intimacy coach and author Pauline Ryland. And that's it for this week's Adult Side Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Lisa Moskatova. Talk to you again next week on Adult Side Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.